This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. Good night. Hey guys, how's how's everybody doing out out there? Whether you're still in quarantine or not, because I honestly I don't know when I'll be putting this show up. But you know what? Me and Tom had a wonderful idea. 99% Tom, just me. I said yes. But what is the uh, the uh, title of of this week's show, Tom? This week we're talking about Tom's 10 brutal WCW moments that you tried to forget. And as you guys know, since it's uh, Gilmi and uh, Tom talking, you know it's a late night ep- episode again. So, here we go. There we go. That lovely sound. Uh, so, how's it, how's the day going, man? Uh, not too bad. You know, winding down, doing the quarantine with small children. Good times. Yeah. Clearly, clearly a drink is called for. <laughs> Oh yeah, where my kids are older, and I'm just flat out tell them go to another room. <laughs> yeah, then they go in and find markers um, all over a wall. So yeah, see, your kids are a little bit. Uh, Tom, Tom's kids are five and two, right? Yes, sir. All right. Can't can't believe she's two. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> Wild animal. Uh, the podcast is still up, guys. About when Tom was nervous about having, uh, having, having, having a, a girl. How's that going? <laughs> um, worrisome in different ways. Like, there's my daughter is a strange combination of tomboy and princess. Like, she loves to wear a pretty pink princess's dress and then go run through a mud puddle. <laughs> yep. She's yeah, and then like she's a brute. Like she's just a little brute. <laughs> well, uh, well, she's she's two now, so I guess she can. Uh, you you can definitely drop her off at uh, Tyson's when uh, when everything everything opens up. Get her. Uh, uh, she can probably airplane in uh, Tyson. I think now, right? Oh yeah. She's she'd go for it. She's a I always tease my wife. I'm like she's no one's gonna be the wrestler. Like she's the one who's gonna follow me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yes, we are talking about brutal WCW moments. Um WCW's not around, so we're not really shooting on the company, so we can have some fun at their expense. It's it's, it's I hear a lot of people very nostalgic for when there was all these companies and WCW was so much better and WWE does all this terrible stuff wrong. See, these are the 20-somethings watching WCW DVDs best of. They don't know. <laughs> Even, you know what? Uh, I have Nitro, Best of Nitro Volume 3, and even there, they're stretching. Like, some of the stuff, you're know, like, this was the best thing. This is the best of? <laughs> It's a yeah. it's a buff Bagwell disco in Inferno match. No. <laughs> but uh, WCW did bring some fantastic stuff to wrestling. Uh, they were the first company to be in HD. They really upped the game. Uh, obviously with bringing live wrestling to TV. Uh, all kinds of different stuff. They did the Nitro Girls. Uh, the Cruiserweight Division was a fantastic thing but they were just and if not more guilty definitely more guilty than wc than sorry wwe for doing just off the wall bulletheaded stuff and a lot of that stuff does get pinned on vince russo rightfully so but they had a entire history of wcw there's all kinds of just head shake slap your head you know face palm moments that we're gonna stop and talk about here today, and that's and that's gonna be really really fun. <laughs> oh, 
So number one, uh, we're going to talk about stuff. The first couple on our list here were stuff that was, it wasn't single instances. We could spend 15 shows talking about some of this, in every instance of this happening uh, throughout WCW. And that was WCW giving people horrible, horrible gimmicks. People talk about Vince giving people's bad gimmicks. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, he was the ringmaster when he first showed up in WWE, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody forgets that he was stunning Steve Austin with his fabulous long blonde hair, uh, one half of the Hollywood Lawns from Hollywood, California in WCW. Uh, Kevin Nash, everybody, oh, you know, they were, he was, uh, the great and powerful Oz when he first showed up in WCW. And didn't, uh, didn't he debut in a like a stadium show as a big thing? Yes. Like it was a huge <laughs> thing. Like he was, he was the wizard of fucking Oz. Like, <laughs> he came out in a giant green robe. He had a mask over top that was like the wizard of Oz head with a phony beard and the weird hat, and then he would take it off, and his actual hair, and he had contacts, and his actual hair was powdered white, and his goatee was powdered white, and he was Oz. <laughs> uh, many people have heard the terrible story of the ding-dongs, uh, the poor guys would have come out, and they were hooded wrestlers. They were quite an established tag team down the south, I can't name escapes me right now, but, uh, and yeah, they were the ding-dongs. They came out wearing bells on their wrists and angles, like Christmas jingle bells, all around their wrists and angles, and one was ding and the other was dong. Oh, God. Uh, and it wasn't. this wasn't a one-night thing. This went on for three months, the ding-dongs went on for. <laughs> and these, these are just crazy, crazy things that w, yes. WCW did. Uh, the Yete, which was the big man, Reese, 400 pounds, seven foot tall guy, and they wrapped him up in rags like a mummy, and he was the Yeti as part of the Dungeon of Doom, as many people remember. Oh, they uh, had they had some characters. Yes, WWE always, Raven, everybody talks about how WWE, they had him as Johnny Polo, but it was because before that, he was Scotty Flamingo, the surfer dude. In WCW, Jerry Lynn, when he came to WCW, was the masked superhero, Mr. JL. He had like a big purple mask and a big purple chest plate with a cape. And oh. He was the superhero, Mr. JL. That's painful. <laughs> Three count. Remember when boy bands? Boy bands were a huge thing, right? Yep. In the late 90s, 2000. So WCW decided they needed a, a boy band team, so the three-man team of Sugar, Shane Helms, like the Hurricane, later, uh, Shannon Moore and Evan Courageous were three count, and they were a, a boy band three-man team, and they had a, they came out and they sang their own theme song, they stood on little circle dots that they brought it with them, and did little dance, and sang their theme song, and they were like pop stars boy band with their gimmick and then uh, everybody remembers Tank Abbott came over from the UFC around the same time as Ken Shamrock but he went to WCW and so to bring in tough guy Tank Abbott from the UFC knockout artist he was going to be a huge fan of three count the boy band oh wow and on one episode of Nitro wore a mesh shirt with no nipples on it while watching Three count, do their song. And this is Tank Tank Abbott, knockout artist, man without teeth, one of the yeah. scariest looking dudes on the planet, and they put him with three count. Big fan of three count. Uh, Mike Awesome. Everybody remembers Mike Awesome, uh, ECW champion. It was a huge controversy when he left to go to WCW. Everybody remembers, forgets <laughs> what happened after that. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah, you remember. You're, you're giggling already because you remember it. Uh, 
and WCW management did not like Mike Awesome. So he came in, Mike Awesome, ECW champion, the career killer. He was taking people out. And then they decided he was going to be rebranded as the much, I don't know how we're going to talk about, but he was Mike Awesome. How 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 can we say say the name without pissing somebody off? <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it, okay? Yeah. This is, I'm not shitting anybody. There's Google it. There's graphics out there. He was Mike <laughs> Awesome, the fat chick Thrilla. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. And Thrilla, not ER. Real ah with an A, with the graphic would show with an A. So it had to be a Vince Vince Russo thing destroying the English language. Yeah, um, and the only reason they stopped doing this was because uh, the higher up in Turner Broadcasting found out, and of course we're not thrilled that he was called the, thrilled with the name of Patrick <laughs> Thrilla, and made him rebrand so like okay so this is a bad idea so we're gonna make him Mike Awesome that 70s guy and uh, because I was actually looking forward to Mike, Mike Awesome coming to WCW hey this guy's great on ECW as a as a champ he's a good solid solid wrestler big big dude and then he comes out to that. that. Uh, also, on the subject of, do you remember this one? Because uh, you watched a lot of WCW as it happened, but the West Hollywood Blondes, Lenny Lane and Lodi. Oh. <laughs> I remember that, but tell him, tell him, yeah, Tom. <laughs> like, people are familiar with you know, some of the stereotypical jokes about West Hollywood, and that was pretty much that that was their gimmick, was that they were a couple of gigolo dudes for hire from West Hollywood, and whatever you wanted, they were in their little short shorts and strutted to the ring, and you could have their way with them, and that was their gimmick on TV. Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I swear to God, people, I'm not making this up. I can see that act, act actually working in some some on Ontario promotions now. But that wasn't, like, this was a mad international TV show they were doing this on. <laughs> like, this is supposed to be everybody watching this. and. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, WCW was famous for just, like, trying to make you believe, like, everybody's like, you know, Okay, Yokozuna wasn't Japanese, you know. Chief okay. Strongbow wasn't really Native American. No. Uh, Muhammad Hassan was Italian, you know. Mm-hmm. WCW is really worse for doing so. Uh, just like trying to make you believe someone was someone they weren't, or just outright rip-offs that they were trying to pass off. Uh, probably my favorite one was the Young Dragon. Was they were going to have this stable of, you know, uh, Asian assassins, basically. Young gun, Asian, six man. And it was Kaz Hayashi, who was a very good Japanese wrestler, wrestled for All Japan uh, yep. War. Uh, and then Jimmy Yang, who we all know from WWE, is, you know, yep. from Texas. Uh, yes. It was just Jimmy, like, J-I-M-M-Y, like the graphic on the screen, he still said Jimmy. And if you've ever heard him talk, he's not at all uh, very much Texan. And then Jamie Saw Noble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like Jamie Noble, yeah, also we saw him in WWE, redneck Jamie Noble. Uh, but nobody was going to notice that he wasn't Asian because in addition to, like, he wore tights, it's okay. He was going to wear a mask. So nobody was going to notice that Farmer Ted, Tennessee boy, <laughs> J.P. Noble, wasn't an Asian. Um, it wasn't and, an Asian descent, so yeah. 
And here's the thing. Jamie Noble worked the and Southern... And all of these guys talk. Uh. He didn't give him a mouthpiece. If you've ever heard Jamie Noble's heavy, heavy, I'm sorry, I believe he's not from he's from Tennessee, he's from Alabama, I'm sorry, but he's from Southern, heavy, heavy Southern, Southern accent. Uh, unbelievable. And then just other characters are blatant ripoffs. Uh, everybody's seen on Facebook the Randy Hogan meme. Mm-hmm. His name wasn't Randy Hogan, it was like Glenn something or other. <laughs> uh, the Renegade, um, they brought in during 95 when right after the Ultimate Warrior disappeared from wrestling, they brought in the Renegade, who, if people don't remember, uh, he was very jack guy, but he wore the same, very similar singlet to the Warrior. He had the bleach blonde, big hair. He didn't have tassels. He had face. He had paint on his arms, the same color as Warrior's tassels. But yep. it was paint on his arms instead of tassels, and then the same paint on his legs where Warrior had tassels. And then he had face paint. It was a big R on his face. It was a big R painted, but it was the same color as the Alpha Warrior's face paint. Yes, the Renegade. Uh, uh... And he came out very high energy, shaking. Like he would. Even Eric Bischoff admits he was a ripoff of the Ultimate Warrior. And, but who was the better worker? Hmm. Renegade was a hundred times better. Uh, <laughs> it was a very tragic story. Like he oh, was yeah. uh, much smaller in physique, though. Was the other problem? He was obviously not the Warrior. Uh, he was five ten, two fifty five. So like really jacked. But Warrior was six three, two seventy five. Like, yeah. Uh, obviously not the same guy. Um, everybody remembers China, ninth one of the world. Uh, they forget WCW's version of Asia, A N Y A, a female bodybuilder they brought in in '99. I totally forgot about that un- until now. See, I told you. Yeah. You tried to forget. It. I totally, um, totally forgot about that. And then they wondered why WCW kept getting sued. <laughs> and then the last one, you, every fake Sting, baby. <laughs> oh. uh, NWO Sting, uh, Jeff Farmer, great wrestler, but was an inch taller and about 30 pounds heavier and had about three inch more hairline and two inches more jaw than the original Sting, Steve Borden. Yep. Uh, so, blatantly not, great wrestler, great shape, but blatantly not the same person at all. And for three years, NWO Sting ran around. Three years? That is... Yeah, it wasn't July 96 through July 99. So everybody remembers it, but not that it was three years long. It's like, okay, so when is this guy going away? Can we give him any other gimmick? No, nah, he's a, he's a, he's good. He'll be the bad sting. <sighs> Basically. So yes, just WCW's long and checkered history of. Oh, and then other my brother's favorite guy. He officially mentioned uh, for bad gimmicks. Van Hammer. Uh, everybody. <laughs> Everybody's favorite rock star who can't play a lick on his guitar. Uh, big Jack, muscular dude they brought in, was going to be their WCW's Ultimate Warrior, came out with a heavy metal bass guitar, could not play a guitar at all. Uh, he was given the name Van Hammer because people in the 90s can remember now. Who were the top hottest, we're going to make a music character, who were the top hottest pop, you know, popular bands in the 90s if you were an old company executive. Well, MC Hammer is popular. I hear that Van Halen rock band is top of the charts. <laughs> By God, we're going to name him Van Hammer. Uh, don't you wish you could have just, like, sat in on some of these WCW locker room talks? Well, according to Jim... Cornette, who was there for the meeting, that's 
what happened. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't say this because I think I, but according to Jim Cornette, who was there, <laughs> he said that's how the meeting happened. So just sitting would, would have loved to just like sit down and be like, okay, okay. So you're getting what now? <laughs> well, if you listen to Jim Cornette on his podcast, a lot of his reaction were more, What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> I'm, I think I'm the only person who doesn't have have a Jim, Jim Cornette in war, war impersonation. You gotta get on that, man. Well, he doesn't Corny. stutter, so... <laughs> Cornette's a character. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, so, yeah, WCW... Probably the greatest history of anyone, any company, in fact, of having ridiculous over-the-top gimmicks. Um, speaking of things that were literally over-the-top in WCW that everyone forgets, and then they remember, and they go, oh, God. Uh, WCW and on-a-pole matches. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think this was just going to the well too many times. And oh, it was so much worse. I, even when I looked into it, I decided to, that's why I couldn't pick one particular, just so many bad ones. I found like multiple lists of top 10 worst WCW on a pole matches, and they didn't have the same matches. <laughs> well, there's the infamous Judy Bagwell. Yes, that has to be probably... Arguably the worst, uh, of course, yes. Chris Canyon kidnapped Buff Bagwell's mother, Judy Bagwell, and they had to fight to get her back, and she was on a forklift because you can't put a person on a pole. And wasn't there also a Viagra on a, on a, on a pole match? Yes, sir. On Monday Night Nitro, July 31st, 2000, Shane Douglas battled Billy Kidman in a brutal and ridiculous Viagra on a pole match. Uh, other spectacular ones you're forgetting uh, were from Nitro of 2000, uh, October 2nd, 2000, sorry. Booker T versus Jeff Jarrett in a four corners on a pole match, which the four <laughs> items were the WCW title, a picture of Scott Hall, a coal miner's glove and a sex doll. Oh boy! All inside mystery briefcases, and they had to climb up and pull down each item and open it, and then that continued until all of the briefcase happened. Wasn't but the wasn't the coal miner's glove just a glove like a work glove wrapped in tin foil too? Uh, in that one, yes. <laughs> uh, there was a separate coal miner's glove match where they didn't know what a coal miner's glove is until they just threw dust on a glove and then decided to smack the other guy with it to win would be uh, for those who don't know uh, go back to mid with wrestling it's the only one I could probably quote off the top of my head Yeah. Uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. versus Jim Dugan uh, coal miner's glove and a coal miner's glove is like a heavy glove with chain mail along the knuckles to protect the coal miners' knuckles while they're hammering away with their pickaxe down the mine. But nobody in WCW had a clue what that was. <laughs> they included on a wheel of random stipulations on one show and then randomly actually spun the wheel on Nitro, and that's what came up. So they had to make a coal miner's glove on the fly. Because you Without know... knowing what it was. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, and, of course, the stupidest on a pole match, probably in history, um, because in case, you know, having it wasn't, like, ridiculous, you need to make it offensive, too. So, on uh, Nitro, uh, November 5th, 1999, Psychosis, Humanity uh, Guerrero, Silver King, El Dandy, and uh, Delano Five competed in a piñata on a pole match <laughs> where they had to go and get a piñata full of candy. So, uh, 
I I'm I'm not touching that. <laughs> oh, because well, you want? How could you make that work? That's great, Matt. How could you make that better? Well, we're gonna have this the same time. This is commentated by the infamous Oklahoma segment, where Ed Ferrara came out dressed up as Jr. and made fun of Jr.'s Bell palsy and uh, made a bunch of racist comments during the commentary out of the Oklahoma character. <laughs> yep. Which you so can probably see. We racist. It was racist and offensive to people with disabilities. Like, just... And just poor taste in Tom and Mitch. So that, that was my reason for making that the greatest on the poll that WCW had, you know. Which you can probably still see on the WWE Network, guys. Oh, it was so... Horribly offensive, just but for our, I would say who thought it was a good idea, but everybody knows that. So, moving onwards, yep. Uh, now we're gonna go just in chronological order throughout the history of WCW, strange and bizarre things that make you, I'm sorry, what? Um, the time Robocop rescued Sting, uh, Capital Combat, May 1990. Literally called Capital Combat, the Return of Robocop. Uh, Robocop has been featured. Robocop 2 was coming to theaters. Uh, WCW wanted to cash in the publicity, and so they featured Robocop on the WCW posters. Obviously, they put it in the name of the pay per view. Robocop was featured in the TV commercials with Sting saying they were going to team up against the Four Horsemen. And when the pay-per-view came, uh, Sting was locked in a cage by the Four Horsemen, and then Robocop came out and pulled the door off the, air quotes, steel cage, and then Sting chased off the Four Horsemen. Uh, and wasn't... Was... Now, please describe how Robocop was moving at, at this time, because it's great. Moved. Anybody's ever seen the Robocop movies? Robocop moved at that speed. The two and a half mile an hour plotting. Very casually approached the cage and made his mechanical movements and tore the air quote steel bars off the cage. Yes. Um, Freezing. I've seen the clip so many times and it's such a WCW thing. <laughs> it is. And uh, so that was Robocop's run in the WCW. Uh, another forgotten classic that people missed was from uh, Halloween Havoc in October of 91. The Chamber of Horrors match. <laughs> which was a eight-man tag match. The Steiner Brothers, El Gigante, and Sting taking on the nefarious team of Cactus Jack, Abdul the Butcher, the Diamond Stud, Gut Hall, and Vader. Uh, it was a cage match, and then partway through the match, a second smaller cage was lowered into the center of that cage, which inside that cage was the torture chair a.k.a. an electric chair. And to win the match, you had to strap your one of the opposing team's members into the electric chair and turn it on. Who got, who got shocked? <laughs> uh, so Cactus Jack accidentally threw the switch while Abdullah was stuck in the chair. So Abdullah miraculously survived the encounter. was to murder your opponent in an electric chair. <laughs> and that is or just... Attempt, attempt to murder your opponent in an electric chair. That is painful. That is... Oh, that is all, all kinds of... Be checking it online. It's definitely hilarious. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's something to watch, but... If you were watching it, you'd probably just be like, what? <laughs> yes, we're going to put him in a little... You're going to murder your opponent. Um, hey, Tom. 
you know how how I've just been been overworked, overtired, and just pretty much lazy, eating like crap. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go go with AR Fitness. And you know, with AR Fitness, the future is here. Online coaching brings everything to you in gym, in the house, even on Mars. And you get the customized nutrition and customized workout plans to crush your goals. Stop with the fad diets and the crazy restrictions that's left you miserable in the past. Were personal experience? I know. I get bored of eating the same three things over and over and over. I'm a cook. And with AR Fitness, you can cook what you want. You learn how to eat properly and train the way you want to train without sabotaging your results. So go check out AR Fitness and remember, tell them Gilmi sent you. On the subject of attempted felonies in the process of a match, uh, the WCW King of the Road match from <laughs> Uncensored in March 95, uh, the natural Dustin Runnels is going to take on, once again, guys who were terribly cast, uh, Black Top Bully. <laughs> uh, yep. Because uh, the former Demolition Smash, uh, basically he was a he was a tough trucker, which is game at you, and he wore a trucker cap and jeans and uh, a plaid shirt with no sleeves. Plaid trucker shirt with no sleeves. And they fought in the back of a flatbed pickup truck that had a cage around sides and hay bales, haystacks all throughout. And the point was you had to fight. You had to start on the front of the truck flatbed, work to the back, and then go back to the front and honk the horn to win the match. Wow. That I I don't even know what to say. Was and the best part was is this wasn't like a green screen gimmick. Uh, these they actually had to fight around in the like they shot this from helicopters and a pursuit truck from the side filming and like police cars around them so other vehicles but they, so they're actually driving down the road in like sixty. 70, whatever they're doing, trying to wrestle and do stuff while the vehicle's going down the back of a road in a pickup in a flatbed truck behind transport. Uh, I don't, I, I, so many things could have went wrong. <laughs> just, just the worst idea. Uh, well, no, not even close to the worst idea on this list, unfortunately. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> moving onward. The infamous Cactus Jack lost in Cleveland segment from 1993. <laughs> I um, I definitely remember these. Um, sorry, we got a little out of order, but whatever. Um, oh. Cactus Jack was in a vicious feud with Vader and suffered uh, been powerbombed onto the concrete by Vader on WCW Saturday night and suffered a legitimate concussion. So to make use of that injury in the ankle, uh, WCW decided that he would get amnesia and be transferred to a mental institution. Oh, of course. That's what you do with people with amnesia. And he forgot who he was and escaped the mental institution to move to the underground as the homeless man Swampy. Uh, and so over the course of the next six weeks in two or three up minute updates, we got WCW reporter Catherine White appeared on site from Cleveland as she wandered the shady homeless areas guided by local drunk Wompy the hobo. <laughs> I can't even do. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Hey Dom. So Swampy the hobo. <laughs> Guided by Swampy the hobo, Catherine White 
was able to locate Cactus Jack, who now believed he'd shaved off his beard and now believed that he was a retired ex-sailor named Dewey. <laughs> and not want to go back to wrestling. And so WCW reporter Catherine White brought this news to Cactus Jack's distraught wife, who was not his real wife. They hired a fake woman. They said they didn't want to use his real wife because they felt she was too attractive for it. Oh, boy. Uh, so they brought her to meet... <clears throat> Swampy? <laughs> Swampy. Swampy the hobo guided them once again back to the underworld of Cleveland so they could meet once again with Cactus Jack, who now believed he was the ex-sailor Dewey and his new wife, Bang Bang. Oh, God. <laughs> and the segment ends with Cactus refusing to come home and wanting to stay with his new life and his new wife, Bang Bang. And then he just decided, and then for no reason, he came back and they never talked about it again. There's a reason for that. Because it's Probably a good thing. Um, yeah. Wonder if 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 anyone meets Cactus or Mick Foley at these meet and greets. Hey, remember the time you were swampy? No. <laughs> it's hard not to. Uh, number seven on our list, generally regarded as one of the downfalls of beginning of the end moments for WCW. But yet a lot of people don't seem to remember it. The infamous finger poke of doom. The finger poke of doom was a literal finger poke that made the championship meaningless for WCW. Now, everyone remembers the finger poke of doom happening. Once again, everyone remembers how horrible it was. Um... Everyone remembers uh, May of 98, the Wolfpack split off from the original NWO. So the rift between Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan started in May of 98. Hulk Hogan had left wrestling at the end of November 98 after failing to defeat Goldberg or after being beaten by Goldberg for the WCW title. Uh, and then December of 98, Hulk Hogan, or sorry, not Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash finally and infamously defeated Goldberg with the help of a returning Scott Hall and the Taser to end the streak and win the WCW title. So the streak has just ended. Goldberg's finally been defeated. Uh, we're finally going to get the confrontation between the two WCW, or sorry, NWO factions and their two leaders finally having never, Hogan and Nash had never fought since the split of the NWO at this point. Right. And so it was a huge advertise. Earlier in the night, Goldberg was supposed to get a shot. They had a ridiculous story about how he got arrested for trying to attempt to stalk Miss Elizabeth, I think it was. Who so knows? Hulk Hogan comes out of retirement, two-faced Kevin Nash, and boink, finger poker doom. Uh. I don't think there were any louder boos ever. Well, um. actually, in, in case this moment didn't get more ridiculous, uh... People don't also remember that WCW title matches often took place on the mid-card of the show or early in the show. So there was still a full hour left on both Raw and Nitro, and Nitro was infamous for giving away Raw results. And this was the same night of the infamous WCW, right after the finger poke of doom when they came back, was the infamous Tony Schiavone, uh, Mankind will be winning the WCW, who used to wrestle here as Cactus Jack, will be winning the WWF Championship tonight. 
that'll put a lot of butts in the seats. Yep. <laughs> and then 600,000 people change the channel. Because you want to see Mick, Mankind win the title. But just the audacity that you would rather see uh, two guys laugh and chuckle and poke each other in the chest then watch the great story of uh, Mankind finally winning the WF Championship was the kind of ludicrousness and out of touch with reality that WCW has. The WCW, I, I still don't understand what the management was thinking. I really don't. Uh, it was often shifting management was the problem. Or people not connected to wrestling making decisions on behalf of wrestling. Uh, WCW didn't actually go out of business because of money problems or anything else. It was just in the Time Warner AOL merger, AOL wanted nothing to do with wrestling. They were not going to own a wrestling company. So WCW was just out of the picture. They It was just done because AOL didn't want to own it. Yeah. And so they were like, call somebody to buy this. It's it's like when you open your garage and there's an old motorcycle in there. And regardless of how good that classic motorcycle might be, to that person, they don't care. They'll just take you 50 bucks to get it out of their house for scrap. Yep. And that's what happened to WCW. Uh, Vince McMahon was personally contacted to buy it because they knew he would buy it right away. Oh, yeah, because uh, ask a wrestling guy to buy a wrestling wrestling company. And Vince has been thinking about this network idea for years and years, which I think he managed okay, oh, 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 okay with the network so far. <laughs> yeah, I don't care what about to say. He's made bank off that thing. Yeah, with all the DVDs and just everything, he made money. All right. Uh, speaking of people who make money, number eight on our list. Uh, WCW Nitro, August 23rd, 1999. Kiss, the greatest band in the world. Also the richest band in the world, depending on who you ask. But yep. uh, made their appearance on WCW Nitro to promote the debut of the character, the Demon, who is basically the Kiss Demon. Yes. <laughs> uh, but... Unfortunately... Uh, the appearance did not generate the kind of ticket sale they had hoped for, and there was a dispute with money over the rock band, and so Kiss ended up doing a lip sync appearance instead of a live appearance uh, to debut uh, Brian Adams, formerly known as Crush, yep, as the Demon, uh, and another hilarious recasting and they hopefully wouldn't notice uh brian adams who is six foot six 315 pounds was switched out with uh gail torborg who was a great athlete and a big guy but he was six foot seven but only 270 so <laughs> 40 50 pounds lighter uh than brian adams uh yeah. was the lowest-rated Nitro of all time at that point. Uh, at only a 2.25 compared to the usual 6.5 ratings. Wow. It's like, hey, I think we might have made a mistake with this one, guys. It was, it was lip-syncing on a wrestling show. Yes, it was. Speaking <laughs> um, of things that should not be on wrestling shows... Uh, David Arquette as the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. I'm biting my tongue really hard there. Um, people go, what? But yes, it did in fact happen on WCW Thunder in April 26th of 2000 during it... a tag team match between David Arquette, uh, Diamond South Page against Jeff Jarrett and Eric Bischoff. I, I can't remember why it was going on. There was a reason it was ridiculous that it was on the line in that match. But And uh, David Arquette speared and pinned Eric Bischoff to win the WCW Championship. 
which he retained for 12 days. And here's the thing. David Arquette right now is an indie wrestler. He is doing fantastic, great tag tag matches with RJ City. He is putting in the... He is all in for the indie scene right right now. But back then, they gave an actor the WCW championship. Uh, he also, and speaking of Tank Abbott's fabulous run, uh, David Arquette did in fact retain the WCW championship in a match against Tank Abbott. So, did they just pay Tank Abbott, like, truckloads of money and just did anything anything they really wanted? I hope so. I, I, that guy had had to make bank off of whatever they did. Because he, so. he, he, so. he was up for, like, anything. the belt if there's eight guys fighting for it nine no, sorry nine guys because you know that 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 helps <laughs> yeah um well now you mentioned it and wondering how this shenanigans works was it the cages are progressively smaller cages stacked on top of each other uh where they have to climb the first opening is a vertical opening in two of the corners. You have to use a ladder to climb up through the hole to the second level, and then into a cage, which has a locked, the padlock door. Which luckily there's bullet cutters hanging out inside the cage, so I, I don't know why the cage door is locked if there's bullet cutters inside the cage. Because it's WCW, of course. They were clearly supplied, like they were hanging beside the cage. Yeah, and it is like, like, then uh, why would you lock it? And then the top layer, the top smallest cage, had the WCW championship. But the winner was whoever stepped out of the bottom cage last with the title, which was after. So you got the title, and then you had to go back down the cage. Can't I? I I I I gotta look up this match just because. Just oh, and Vince Russo was in the match wearing hockey gear. I remember him in hockey gear for some reason. Yeah. I uh, think I I actually watched that, but it's just out of my memory now. something but I own the War Games DVD set and on it Dusty Rhodes says it's terrible <laughs> so I don't feel bad saying this is bad because the man who invented War Games says this was garbage and it's on the DVD just so people can see how bad it was I love, yeah, I love Dusty. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, the athletic performance of the guys in the match, like, over 
like spears a couple guys out of their boots, cuffed irons, suplexing the shit out of people. But Vince Russo is running around in a fucking hockey helmet in a jersey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. It's Vince Russo. that we wanted to throw in that WCW did we love throwing our dishonorable mentions <laughs> um, WCW had a hardcore division uh, oh, everybody thinks yeah. everybody remembers the WWE one was pretty, uh, it was pretty good. comedic yeah it, it was good it was fun WCW's was terrifying uh, they started out with a hardcore trophy uh, later became a hardcore belt also, the idea that it had a ridic- was a hardcore division was ridiculous because WCW was not allowed to show blood on TV since like 1995. So, to make sure they were not going to have blood or excessive violence, the wrestlers were not allowed to hit each other in the head. The weapons were like the barbed wire was coated in plastic. And the weapons were like rubber bats. I remember the rubber bats. Yes, the terrible uh-huh. rubber bats that were bent. Uh, once again, I'm not making this up. This isn't speculation. This is coming from A, watching WCW, and B, also confirmed in Mick Foley's book that they were plastic-coated barbed wire. Yes. Because... Uh, Mick Foley's first book. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know... And if if anybody wants to read Foley's books, they're good. Oh, fantastic read! Definitely oh, yeah. check out all three. Um, some of the ridiculous things: uh, Chronic versus four wrestlers was what challenged. This was just one of my personal ones I threw in because I remember watching this on TV, and it was terrible. Uh, look it up. It's Chronic versus four wrestlers it's on YouTube. It's about seven minute mark in the clip. <laughs> um, they advertised the week before they were going to defeat four wrestlers. And they, you know, made a big deal, advertised Chronic versus four wrestlers for preparations for the War Games match. Uh, in August of 2000, and they brought in four, I swear these were like the four guys they called that day. They weren't working and could find to wrestle. Uh, one guy trips getting into the ring and just rolls in. <laughs> uh, even Stevie Ray is on commentary talking about how these guys look like bums. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would be jobbers, but my brother always calls it the 100 hobo charge. Um, check it out. Chronic versus four wrestlers. Thunder August 2000. Hilarious. Uh, I don't even know um, know what to say about well, about that one. And just to finish it off with WCW's continued traditions of felonies, um, Sting in Vampiro at the Great American Bash of 2000 had a human torch match where the, the point of the match was to light your opponent on fire. Uh, Vampiro lit who is obviously a stuntman, or Sting put on a heavy burn suit to protect himself while the lights were out. After they climbed up on top of a... They climbed on top of the big screen for no reason whatsoever to light each other on fire, despite having the blowtorch the entire duration of the match. Yep. And (laughs) I think it was a stuntman in a bad, bad wig, if I remember correctly. That is a speculation. Uh, Once again, I'm not going to say I I don't know, but speculation and based on having watched it, it sure looked like somebody in a wig and (laughs) a heavy burn suit. But just the idea that you would just have a match where people were just lighting each other on fire was uh, as a normal thing. It's the Inferno match gone to tenfold kind of a thing. Yeah, like, and Sting, like, I get Vampiro has to say this, but, like, Vamp- Sting just wants to light Vampiro on fire, because why not? Um, and then yeah. finally, just in general, uh, kidnapping storylines. Like, oh my. 
the idea, like we talked about, uh, Canyon kidnapping Buff Bagwell's mother to force him to get her back in the ju- terrible Judy Bagwell on a pole match. But that was a theme for WCW, especially in the late 90s, 2000, that you could just kidnap someone's significant, someone in their life, and use that person as leverage to make that person fight you. Yep. Or hold them hot. You would literally hold them hostage, kidnap them and hold them hostage in order to make the person agree to your terms. Uh, Canyon kidnapped Judy Bagwell. Ultimate Warrior kidnapped the Disciple, a.k.a. Bruce Briefcake, in 98 to make Hogan fight him. Yep. Which is... Kevin Nash kidnapped Ric Flair's son, David Flair, to goad him into a fight and distract him. And uh, Scott Skyner kidnapped David Arquette and held him hostage and tortured him in a series of video segments. And it's, and it's and it's Scott Steiner gold, guys. If you want to see some amazing Scott Steiner bits, you got to see these. Because uh, David Arquette is an actor. He knows, and he's a wrestling fan. So at this time, he was actually good to watch on screen. And then you have Scott Steiner, who is a crazy person. But yes, just off on that last idea that in general not that you could fight and do heinous things to other combatants but you could just kidnap and torture and broadcast to the world that you were kidnapping and torturing innocent bystanders and they, your company would continue to employ you and force that other person to comply with your you know what you're right Kevin Nash, Rick Flair should have to fight you. Yeah, because... Keep holding his son hostage. Because you kidnapped his son, and uh, and now he's terrifying. We are going to put that on a poster and make a TV commercial about it. No, it's a felony. Yeah, you it's... can't commit felony. Guys, if they would have just kept it at that one rule, okay... Let's not commit felonies. Okay, if you're New Jack, you can commit felonies during a match. Was 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 New Jack ever in WCW? Just thinking. Um, I know he I was. I don't think he was. No. Okay. It's just he might have been for a cup of coffee, I, but he was never like in there for contractually a long time. Oh yeah, because he's New Jack and he's crazy. Yeah, he was mostly Smoky Mountain and then ECW. Yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought he 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 was in uh, WCW for like a minute, but because uh, you know I have to do some research on that one. I don't know. Just I, other than staying away from New Jack. Just New Jack is crazy, and that's it. I'm looking for I'm looking for that Dark Side of the Ring episode though. Oh. Uh, Daily, daily, it's on Daily Motion. I have Crave TV, I just haven't. Oh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't gone to the episode yet, so. Uh, I need, need to get Crave. I, I've i only seen the uh, the Benoit ones this season. Yeah, well, WrestleMania took up, you know, an entire week for me to watch, so. I still have not watched it. It's just, I have not had the time. Because, you know, work and um, everything's normal and everything's going okay. No panic attacks to today. <laughs> That's right. But there you have it, folks. Some of the fantastic history of WCW. And once again, not to say that WCW didn't do great things, but WWE is far from the only one guilty of wrestling nonsense and shenanigans is our point today oh yeah uh, one, once again Tom thanks thank you very very much for uh, all the uh, research there and yeah guys and go like the socials and 
Let's see. Uh, Gilmy Talks on Facebook, Gilmy Talks Instagram, at Gilmy on Twitter, and don't forget to like, rate, and sub subscribe, guys. As Tom's coughing up, uh, coughing up a lung there. 